Shalom, everyone. This is Luke Tanner from Zion Hebraic Congregation. This week's Shabbat message is by Warren Tanner from John chapter 3 and 4, entitled Opposites. Uh, feel free to check us out on our website, zionhebraiccongregation.com. There you will f- see other uh, Shabbat messages, uh, blog posts, and also links to our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does not me away. The soon is the day when we see your face on the mount of your grace and So, John chapter 3, we're going to be looking at, actually, John 3 and 4. So, that's where I am in my reading, and it's been another one of those weeks where I've just been kind of parked in chapters 3 and 4. I just love these chapters. To me, they're incredible. Um, and I, Torn, I don't have a title for this, so if you can think of something later on. Um, what I, I want to do a few things here today. I want to, there's a contrast, I think, going on between chapter 3 and chapter 4. And I want to point that contrast out. And we're going to read the verses in John 3. We'll read the verses in John 4. Um, and then I don't know exactly where I'm going to go from there. I think I'll try to work through the passage and hit a few highlights. But to me, what's important is is the the contrast that I think is purposely, divinely inspired by God, that he did this on purpose, because there's sort of a juxtaposition going on. In chapter 3, you have Yeshua and Nicodemus. And then you could not have a more opposite scenario in chapter 4. You have Yeshua and the woman at the well. And I believe these two stories are put basically back to back to show us the contrast. So in chapter 3, when, when we have Nicodemus, I tried to, I tried to put this in, in a terminology so that we could maybe have a mental picture. Nicodemus is, is the kid that grew up in Sunday school class, or he's, he's the one that became the altar boy. You know, he, he's grown up in religion. He's grown up in a religious household. I had a friend like this uh, um, and, and ended up becoming an altar boy and I think eventually became a, a priest. You know, he, he's symbolic anyway of, 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 the, of Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a kid that grew up in Sunday school class. Uh, he's the one that became an altar boy. You, you get to chapter four with a woman at the well. Well, uh, she's the kid that did not. You know, I mean, she has... A little bit of religious background she has a little bit of knowledge but she's from the other side of the tracks so to speak you have Nicodemus he's this master teacher he's a he's a ruler of the Jews he's very well versed in, in scripture he's he lives that's his world he lives in the realm of biblical scholarship we'll say then you have the the woman at the well that could not be any more opposite than that. I don't know, Luke, if you remember this, but 
you know, when we came into the Messianic movement, it seems like there's always a shift when people come into this to go to read after the rabbis and to read after all these unsaved, I think, Jewish people who many times have great insight because their whole historical record is the study of the scriptures from a human perspective. Most of them are not, if not all of them, aren't saved. But anyway, so you have Nicodemus. And Luke and I, I don't know if you remember, we, we kind of argued about this back in the day. I mean, that was like our congregation, we were going back years and years and years ago before we were in here. It's like, if you don't believe in the Torah, you're lost and going to hell. All Christians are lost and going to hell because they don't keep the Torah. Do you remember we having that argument? And so, um, uh, so, so, you know, to try to bring a distinction as to well, I'm getting way off base here. I shouldn't even go there. But anyway, yeah, I'm, that's way off base. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to leave that on. We'll never get through this. Um, it, suffice it to say, I would hang out with the lady from the woman at the well. She would be my crowd. I would not hang out with Nicodemus. I, he's just not where I would be. I, I identify, at least in the story, not so much with Nicodemus. I identify with the woman at the well. I am her. I'm from that background. Uh, and, and I just love the contrast between the two. So that's what I want to highlight. And it's interesting that Yeshua, he can move between both worlds and be completely at home and comfortable, whether it's the, the clean cut person that grew up in Sunday school or the woman of the streets. He's, he's right at home. And I, probably he's even more at home with, with uh, you know, uh, the, 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 the uh, publicans and the sinners. You know, he just seems to be really at home with them. And, and he's at odds with, with the religious world of his day. So anyway, so I want to read John chapter 3. It will introduce us to, we won't go through the whole thing. And then we'll read uh, chapter 4, and that will introduce us to the woman at the well. And keep in mind this contrast, all right? So, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Yeshua by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Yeshua answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Yeshua answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born in the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Yeshua answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? 
And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. Now, just so you know, I wrote a blog this week on verse 19, if, if you haven't seen it. So, uh, men love darkness because. So that's this week's blog. All right, now let's go to chapter 4. So let's see. Um, verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Yeshua made him baptize more disciples than John, though Yeshua himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, Samaria which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Yeshua, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Yeshua saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Yeshua answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Yeshua answered and said unto him, her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Yeshua said unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Yeshua said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. In that saidst thou truly. 
The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Yeshua saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, and this is a parenthesis here, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Yeshua saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. And then we'll skip down. Verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Isn't that good stuff? That is just good stuff. So you have Nicodemus. He has questions. He's a religious person, lost. You have this lost, if this is a word, irreligious person, this woman coming, and she gets saved, transformed, goes back, tells everybody about it. They believe her testimony, then they go to hear Yeshua, and they hear him themselves, and they come to faith. It's just, it's just so cool. I mean, Nicodemus comes in darkness, and it appears at this point he still leaves in darkness. This woman comes in the daylight, probably around noontime, and she lives now, she leaves now with light imparted into her because she met Yeshua. One comes in darkness, at least then, still leaves in darkness. One comes in the darkness of her own light in the daylight, and she leaves the darkness dispelled, and she walks away, born again. It doesn't get any more real than this. I mean, this is, what, this is the world we live in, basically. Those of us who are saved, we're, we're, we, we, you know, we're saved in the light. We're still trying to reach people in the darkness. So you have these, these religious people that are lost. Yes, going to hell, done many works, like it says in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. We've preached, cast out demons, done many miracles in your name. And Yeshua said, depart from me, you workers of Torahlessness. I never knew you. That's that crowd. You have this other lady 
who by all outward appearances has no right to be allowed into the kingdom. She's, she's filthy, sinful. And yet, Yeshua says, come on in. You know, she gets to welcome in. All right, now, let's go back um, to chapter 3. Just, so now what I want to try to do is just point out some things that, I don't know, for me just kind of jumped out this time, and, and I don't know why maybe sometimes they don't. All right, so 3.2. The same came to Yeshua by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. That we know, that, that part, Rabbi, we know, we know. That just jumped out at me. I think for me, all these years, I've been, been reading this we know sort of as the, the collective we know. You know, it's kind of like you say to somebody something and, and they'll say, well, how do you know? And then all of a sudden it becomes this collective. Well, everybody says, well, everybody knows. You know, I've always taken it as this collective you know, he's, he's talking for the everybody out there. You know, it's so obvious, you're doing what you're doing. And so, general declaration, everybody knows. But I, I wonder if, so I kind of read into this some, because I started to think, is this really, in the right sense, a behind-the-scenes heads-up to Yeshua? Not that he needed to know this, but he knew it already. But from Nicodemus's point of view, he's saying, listen, we in the Sanhedrin, we, the Pharisees, we know who you are because it's obvious to us because no man can do what you're doing unless God is with him. But they're never going to tell you that. But I'm here to let you know we know. And, and surprisingly, after I had that thought, others said the same thing, that, you know, he's basically acknowledging, yes, <laughs> We all know who you are. I'm here to find out more. It's kind of like, you know, I told this story before when I worked at Target. And um, I was, there's upper management, the one management, middle management, then there's departmental management. That's what I was. And I did price control, price changes and stuff. So everything, all the other departments basically eventually hit my department. And so... I can't go into the whole thing. But anyway, certain items should have been put out for Halloween. Oh, yes, it's all put out. Well, come Thanksgiving, now all this Halloween crap shows up. And it's like, now I have to get it all out. And I'm, our team is getting hits and in trouble because it's not been. It's just a disaster. I tell management, I say, listen, I call back, talk to these managers. And, and they say, yeah, it's all been put out. We'll go back and check. They go back into the warehouse. Oh, yeah, we've put it all out. Nothing back here. Come now, Thanksgiving, all this Halloween stuff showing up. I tell upper management, and well, blah, 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 blah. So that happens, Thanksgiving. Then, then we get to Christmas. So now Christmas comes. I still have Halloween and Thanksgiving stuff showing up. That should have been put out on the shelves a long, long time ago. and wasn't. Our team looks like the bad guy. Finally, one of the managers came out at 6 o'clock in the morning. And, and I said, listen, and these were big tubs of stuff. I mean, huge things that were showing up. And he came out finally because it, our department was so bad, he couldn't understand why. I said, look, this is how I did. Look, look at all these things, these tubs. I said, you got Halloween, you got Thanksgiving, now we're up to Christmas. I said, you know what, I'm done. I'm give, I've been telling you guys, here's my two-week notice, I'm done. 
Wait, 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 wait. Mark, no, wait, wait. Come see me at 10 o'clock. I got some meetings. Come see me in my office. So I go to see him in his office. This is what he says, and this is my point. He says, Warren, all the management has met, and they realize what you've been saying is true. And now what we're doing is working with the other managers in the other departments to get them doing what they should be doing. So we, we are aware of the problem, we're working on the problem, and we know, and he said this, we know that you and your department is not the problem. But this is what he said. But he said, Warren, they'll never tell you that. He said, they'll never tell you that. I looked him in the face, I said, you tell me, the manager and all you other managers, you know all this and you will not tell me? No. So he was doing a Nicodemus. Warren, we know. They'll never tell you, but we know. So what do you do with that information? I said, listen, I said, I can't work for a place that won't acknowledge the fact that blah, 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 blah. I think this is kind of what was going on with Nicodemus. I want to think Nicodemus is saying, hey, Jesus, we know, we know, but they're never going to tell you. But I'm here to let you know. I don't know if he's there for, to give him encouragement. I don't know if he's there to, to give Yeshua encouragement. I don't know if, because later on, there seems to be evidence that Nicodemus does later on become a true believer. I don't understand or really know, and it's kind of confusing. People are confused. Why does Nicodemus come? What is his point? Why does he come at nighttime? Why does he have these questions? Why does he say, we know? Well, it's all part of the process of God working in the heart of, in the life of a person when that person doesn't really even know that God is working and drawing them. Nicodemus, because of whatever reason, is being drawn probably unknown to him to meet the one that can give him all the answers that he needs and has been searching for and why he's been so religious his whole life. The rest of the Sanhedrin, maybe not, but there's this one guy that is genuine and wants to know the truth. So he says, hey, we know you're a teacher come from God. Nobody can do the things that you're doing unless God is with him. The interesting thing is Yeshua doesn't even respond to that. It just doesn't even respond to that. He says, Verily, verily, Nicodemus, I say, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's like, boosh, where's that come from? You know, you should, I'm just telling you, we know who you are. Nicodemus does, uh, you should say, well, thank you, Nicodemus. I appreciate the heads up. You know, I knew that, and, but I appreciate, you know, it's good to know I have an inside man here. Nothing. He bypasses all that, goes right to the heart of the matter, says, Nicodemus, you are, and he says later on, are you a master of Israel and you don't know these things? He goes right to the heart because Yeshua knows what the need is in Nicodemus because he's God, but we also can sense that need. We, 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 we know when God is working in the heart of a person that is lost and, and, and needs salvation. And so he says, except a man be born again, he's not going to see the kingdom of God. Now, that C, the kingdom of God, I, you know, just jumped out at me again. And, and actually, if you go to verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life. All right, this seeing, this seeing the kingdom of God. For many of us here, probably, we've been saved so long, we've lost the wonder of we see that unseen world that the unsaved world around us doesn't see. In other words, when we came to Messiah, when we came to Christ, when we were saved, 
all of a sudden, because it's now we're dealing in the realm that God lives in, this kingdom that is there, this other dimension of where God is, we couldn't see it. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were blind to the things of God. But when, and I, I know when I got saved, it was like, wow, there is this other realm, this other dimension, this spiritual world is really out there. Except the man is born again, he cannot see the reality of that kingdom. We take it for granted. We, we, if we're saying, we see it, we know it exists. We know that there is a, a real kingdom of God and we know that's where we're going. And we know Yeshua's building the kingdom and we see it. We know we're a part of it. We don't maybe see it with our eyes, but we see it with our eyes of understanding. And, and what Yeshua is trying to get Nicodemus to see is, I, I am here the kingdom, me, and you're not going to see me who, for who I am, Nicodemus, unless you experience that new birth, that regeneration only by the Spirit of God. So Nicodemus responds just like any of us would. He's, Nicodemus says, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb? Yeshua answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And then he says, listen, you're dealing with something you're not going to be able to grasp. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind blows where it lists, and you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell whence it comes and where it goes. So is everyone that is born of the spirit. So Yeshua is trying to get Nicodemus to see, yes, you have all these credentials, you're very religious, you know the Torah, but you have never been born of the Spirit. You know, so I have to ask you, do you know, have you been born of the Spirit? Do you know that there's been a point in time in your life in which you were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son, into the kingdom of light? It's that real. Salvation is that real. You go from one kingdom, we're told, the kingdom of darkness, and when you are born by the Spirit of God. You are taken from that kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of God's dear Son, the kingdom of light. It's that dramatic. I mean, I, I knew it right away, maybe more so because of my background. I'm more like the woman at the well. It's a stark contrast. When I got saved, it was like the darkness just went. It was like that. It just was like, wow, what just happened? The darkness has just gone away. And it really was. I t I've always said it. it's like they pulled the string of the light bulb and it's like, poof, wow. And Nicodemus can't see that. So, and he says that, verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said, how can these things be? <laughs> so it's, it's a second how question. You know, verse 4, how can this be? You should, he kind of, all right, you're allotted one question. Question number two, gloves off. <laughs> it's kind of like I, how I see it. So Nicodemus says unto him, how? This is the second how. How can these things be? Yeshua answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and you don't know these things? 
Verily, verily, I'm saying unto thee, we speak what we know and testify what we've seen, and ye receive not our witness. Now, I think it's interesting, and I'm going to draw our attention to it. In verse 7, marvel not that I said unto thee, ye. This is one of the th reasons why the King James, I think, is valuable. Because the ye's and the these and the thou's and the EST endings, they all have a purpose because we need to see the grammatical uh, uh, emphasis that the Greek language is, is trying to get across, but it doesn't always transfer in English. So when he says here, marvel not that I said unto thee, thee is singular, but ye is plural. Ye must be born again. So Yeshua is talking to Nicodemus, who's in essence a representative of the Sanhedrin, of the religious people, the masters, the teachers, everybody probably, even outside. I'm telling you, Nicodemus, you and everybody else that's never been born again, you must be born again. Now that, to me, that's very impactful. He's not just saying, marvel not that I said to you, Nicodemus, you Nicodemus must be born again. Now Yeshua's taking it beyond the parameter of what Nicodemus brought. He's saying, listen, Nicodemus, I'm telling you, you need to be saved. All of you need to be saved. Mankind needs to be saved. It's a universal message that still is applicable today. And that's why Yeshua says in verse 11, uh, verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and ye, there it is, plural again. I'm t I've been telling you guys, this is why I'm here, but you receive not our testimony. And then he says, if I've told you, you is plural, earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you heavenly things? So there's, there's this hidden realm of the, of the spirit world that Nicodemus is totally blinded to. He cannot see. I really think his own religious education is, is blocking his progress. He, he comes with, he, he comes with um, presuppositions. He, he, he comes with, with um, oh, biases in the right sense. He, he has his biases. He's been taught a certain thing, a certain way. And, and as Yeshua is trying to break through that, it's, he's having a hard time, if I can use that terminology, because Nicodemus already has a mindset to see and hear and perceive things when they're being said. So Yeshua says, listen, you need to be born again. So that takes us where it says in verse 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not going to give you a definitive answer on this because what that's talking about has been debated and discussed ad nauseum throughout probably the centuries. What does it mean when it says that unless one, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit? The two different things. You've got to be born of water and born of the Spirit. Um, it could be they're saying the same thing. I don't necessarily think so, but it'd be like um, when Yeshua, uh, is it John or Yeshua, I forget who says what about this, but it says, the one that comes after me, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So is it talking, there are two things, the Holy Spirit and fire, or is it saying the same thing? When he, he comes after me, he's going to baptize you in the fire of the Holy Spirit. So some think that this in our verse is saying one and the same thing. Being born of the water and of the Spirit is the same thing. I don't think so. But other men greater than I do, so 
Okay, so now is it talking about a physical birth and a spiritual birth? It, it very well could be, and it seems that the context alludes to that. You know, and I always, I was going to ask Judy just to verify my fact on this, but, you know, I think I'm right. It could be talking about born of water, the natural birth, you know, like the baby's encapsulated in embryonic fluid, right, or something like that. I always say that word wrong. Amniotic. Amniotic. I always say embryotic, amniotic fluid. Like, you know, when Caitlin was born, we're eating and poof, out comes a puddle of water. All right, she's coming. You know, so it could be there, it could be talking about the natural birth. So basically saying, yes, a person obviously has to be born the first time, but I'm telling you to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born a second a second time, and that's a, a spiritual birth. It's a birth by the Spirit of God when He supernaturally brings a new birth to you. You become a new creature, a new creation. Now, that's definitely possible because of, of Nicodemus's question. He says, well, gee, can you enter a second time into your mother's womb and be born? That's, that's his understanding. But I wonder if, it's, if it could not be this, and this is new to my thinking, and it is new to me and my thinking. Um, it's my thinking. I, I then researched it a little bit. I wonder if it's saying this. Because keep in mind, Nicodemus, the religious guy, and being Jews, probably have had multiple immersions, right? You know where I'm going with this. You probably already know this before I do. I'm always late to the party. But as I'm reading it this time, I, I'm thinking it's pro it could possibly be saying this. Uh, except a man be born, now keep in mind he's talking to, to Nicodemus, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, and, and of the Spirit, meaning this, you guys, with your ritual immersions and your self-purification and your religious life, you, you think that's, that's your, you think you're in the kingdom, right? I'm right on this, right? You know, Nicodemus, you know, you've had the immersion, and, and John the Immerser has been there doing immersions. They, they, they know all about purification um, uh, by uh, 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 outward cleansing by ritual immersion. immersion. That's, that was my original thought, then I found out, once again, I'm late to the party. But I was not taught that. I, I had no clue to even think like that until I came into the Messianic movement because we're not thinking anything Jewish. You know, the baptism, you know, we're thinking of baptism is, is, is something that is a Christian baptism and has no connection to a historical background which the Jewish people and Nicodemus would have been very familiar with. We're talking about immersions, ritual immersions. You know, I wasn't taught any of that. And I'm finding this out now through my own reading because, as I said, I think little by little layers of my my pre-biases that I've come into the Messianic movement with my Christian background, it's taken so long to get that pulled away. And so now I'm reading this time, and it, it was so cool for me. Except the man, Nicodemus, listen, you've been born of the water, quote, unquote, but you need to be born of the Spirit. Your ritual immersions aren't enough. Your good work, in other words, your good works are not going to get you to heaven, Nicodemus. That's what he's saying. Your good works aren't getting you to heaven. Now, interestingly, from what I've read, and, and actually I think I got it from the FFOZ stuff I'm talking about, reading about, 
immersion, yeah, because I, I don't know if you remember when we talked about the new birth and what that one Jewish guy, anyway, spent a few months back. Immersion pictures new life from the womb. That's, that's, and that's why Nicodemus should have known what Yeshua was talking about. Have you ever wondered why? He scolds Nicodemus and he says, you're, you're a master teacher in Israel and you don't know what I'm telling you right now? How can that be? How can that be, Nicodemus? Because for them, when they went under the water, and we, we've carried this over into the Christian thing, uh, uh, buried with Christ in death, raised to newness of life. What a crock. It's a bunch of BS. You know, we're, we're so, we work so hard to stay away from the Jewish side of things that we just, we just make a total mess of things. They had, in the understanding in the world in which they lived, and Nicodemus knew this, that when you had that immersion, it, it, it pictured, how to make these two come together, I'm not sure, but it pictures death, you're out of sight, not seen, you have to hold your breath, basically, in essence, though your heart's still beating, you're dead. But when you come up out of that immersion pool, you have life again, new life. Or it's likened to the baby that's in the womb. It's living and it's alive. But when that baby is born, just like the coming out of those waters, it's, it's a picture of life from the womb. That baby sitting inside, it's alive. But when it comes out from that water and greets this world, it's made a lot. It's, I think you could say it's been born again. I mean, that's not technically correct because there is life in the womb. But sometimes they die in the womb. Sometimes they're not born. Come out of that womb, life. You're born again. This is why Nicodemus should have known this. And I'm sure Yeshua wasn't, but I just picture Yeshua pulling his hair out and saying, Nicodemus, you're the master of Israel. You've grown up in this. You know the Torah. You've been immersed. You know the, the picture of it all. How can you not know what I'm talking about? He's so religious. His religion is in his way. Right? right? This is, I think, to me, this is good stuff. Because I have wrestled my whole life and never got saved life, never got any good answer. Why should Nicodemus have known about being born again? You, know, you cannot go back to, you know, 1 Kings 16, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's not that clear back there. And I'm always coming from the Christian perspective. It's like, I'm lost. I've read the Old Testament how many times? I don't see being born again back there. You know why? Because we've looked at it to the telescope of Christianity rather than putting it back where it belongs in its proper setting. So anyway, you know, so, so basically that's what, what's going on. Now, so, so there, you, there you have it. You should know. You don't know. You have to be born again. You're not seeing it. I'm right here in front of you. You're not seeing it. You're never going to see it. You've got to be born again. So Nicodemus, poor guy, says question number two, how? You should have said, I'm going to tell you. But then he does something cool, which for me, and again, I may be last of the party, how did, <clears throat> what in the world does verse 14 have to do with anything? So verse 13, 
you know, 12, if I've told you and you're not going to believe, you're not going to believe if I tell you heavenly things. 13, no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. That's an interesting statement in and of itself. Is he in two places at once? But then verse 14. What in the world is this about? <laughs> and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, you know, immediately I was thought, yeah, there is Jesus on the cross. He's been lifted up for us. And because he came and, and died on that cross, you know, all that old stuff's away. He's bringing in this new stuff. They didn't know about being born again. They didn't know about being filled with the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, you came to tell us all this stuff that these poor Jewish schmucks didn't know and because they, were, they, they, they gave themselves to the Torah and that was your punishment. You gave them the Torah because it's just rules and regulation and condemnation and damnation. They were so bad, you gave them the Torah to show them how bad they were. That's how it's taught. Well, I mean, anyway, I got to not get sidetracked. But we, we get this story now as Moses was lifted up in the lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the son of man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, now, what? Why? What's what's the point of this illustration? I think it's the same more or less as saying you got to be born of the water and born of the spirit. He's now giving an illustration of what it means to be born again. And this is a, it's an illustration that he was familiar with, should have been familiar with, when the people are getting bit by the snakes and they're dying left and right all over the place. And, and you know, Moses puts the serpent up on, on, on the stick and says, look and live. And those who in faith look and live, they, they don't die. The rest that, that don't look, they don't live, they die. So this verse 14 is an illustration of being born again, being brought from death to life. That's the point of this illustration. These guys, Nicodemus, were as good as dead. But Moses put that serpent up there. They looked and lived. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, you have to look to me to have life. You're dead. You're as dead as those people you've read about and you know about that were bitten by the snake. And you've been bitten by the snake too. The serpent. You are a child of your father, Satan. And I counteract that now with my life. And just like they looked and lived because they were dead. This is new birth, Nicodemus. This is being born again. I know what it's kind of like. I had cancer. I thought I was going to die. I get healing, not from God, although I think from God, but I have new, I felt born again. I have a, a second life opportunity presented to me. That's what's going on here. That's the beauty of the whole thing. Am I making sense? Help me here. <laughs> All right. Now, let me just one more thing, and then we'll get to the woman. I don't know how long I've been going. I guess it doesn't matter. All right. Now, verse 19. So he goes on and says, and this is a condemnation, that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light 
because their deeds were evil. So if the narrative is continuing on with Nicodemus here, he's basically said, Nicodemus, you're in darkness. You are in darkness. And the condemnation is, light is coming to the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And that's my blog. Now, I don't know about you, but my heart just breaks as I interact in this world around me, and especially how bad things are getting, even just being a school bus driver, of the darkness that people are living in and are at home in. They're at home in this darkness. And, and, and they cannot see any other life. Sometimes I'll ask Koi, you know, not, not from the born again side of things, but I'll ask Koi, you know, Koi, since I've been driving around Manchester, you know, I see the people and, and the lives they live in, the conditioners in. Why do they stay that way? And, and it's grandparents to children, now, from those parents to, it's generational. It's just generational living in this, this, this darkness of the life in which they live. I said, quite, can't, he said, Dad, that's all they know. That's all they know. That, that is life. And they see no need for a change because that's, that is the world that they live in. Well, Nick got, uh, uh, Yeshua's trying to get Nicodemus to see there's this whole world of light out there that you can't see because of your darkness. This is why Yeshua wept and cried over Jerusalem because he came, a light is come, he says that. A light, that light has come into the world. Can you imagine the heartbreak that Yeshua must still be going through? The death he died to bring people from darkness to light. That's what Paul says in Acts, that to bring them from darkness to light, to be set free from the power of Satan. But yet men love darkness. And it's not until you're saved and brought into the light that you can realize, whoa, how dark things really are. Now, let's go to the woman. This woman's living in darkness. <laughs> she, she's in darkness. But yet there's something to work with at this point, unlike Nicodemus. Nicodemus is in the way. She's not in her own way. She's, she's not in her own way. She knows who and what she is. No, no facade, no fancy robes, no religiosity, no religious nothing. You know, none of this stuff. So what's interesting is, and I'm just going to touch on it, verse 6 just always blows my mind. Now Jacob's well was there, 4-6. Yeshua therefore being wearied with his journey. That just, that just knocks my socks off every time. I mean, he doesn't have to be weary. He doesn't need to be tired. I mean, he, he, you know, he's a bionic man. Uh, you know, he, he could have endless everything. Doesn't need to sleep, doesn't need to eat. Doesn't have to get sick. He doesn't even have to go to the bathroom, you know. But yet he subjects himself to all of this. And so now he's been on this journey and he's tired. He's weary. Can you, I mean, I mean, we can't. But can you imagine, he never knew a tired moment in his life. 
if I can say it that way, before he hits the earth. Now, all of a sudden, you know, he's dependent on somebody to feed him, change his diapers, burbum, help him grow up. He's having all these functions, eating, sleeping, defecating, I don't know how else to put it, getting sick. So here, so let's just see that he, he is familiar with what we go through. We have a high priest who has been touched with the feeling of our iniquities. He knows what we're going through. That's why he says, come unto me, all ye that are laden and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, and I will give you rest. He knows. He knows. He knows that we're tired and weary. He knows that sin has taken and is taking its effect on us. He knows the darkness that we're in. I mean, he's, he's fought with Satan himself in the temptation. Darkness met him in the wilderness face to face. He's done the battle. He knows what we're going through. So, let's see, verse 3. Uh, let's see, what we're, no, sorry, wrong notes. So, so now we get to verse 9. Just, uh, this will be a little bit quicker. So anyway, she does the same. G, uh, then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, how? That's the same thing. See, say, so parallel. Nicodemus, how can a man be born the second time when he's old? She has her own how question. How? How? And, and I love it. I mean, and, and he doesn't put her off because, you know, she, how is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with Samaria. I'm not even going to go into background. We'd never get out of here. You can search that yourself, why there was this butting of the heads between the Samaritans and, and the Jews. So, you know, he's making a beeline now. It says he must needs go through Samaria. I guess evidently there was a circuitous, I can never say that word either, circuitous route that he could have taken if he went over east and maybe crossed the, the river and came around and went around. But he, he wants, so he's going straight through the territory where the Jews would avoid being in because they're the bad, dirty, wicked, ungodly Samaritans. We don't want to get dirty in their territory. You know, it's like when I grew up and I don't, never felt this way because I went through, but there was the north end of the town. White people didn't go there. You know, they're not going to mess with that crowd over there. We don't, we're not them. We're not like them. Me, fine, I'm going to drive right through. You know, I don't see it that way. But, but that, that's kind of, uh, any, I don't know, where am I going with all this? I get so much going through my head. Um, what was I talking about? I don't even remember. Okay, anyway. Yeah, so... Oh, Samaria, Samaria. So, 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 yeah, so he's making a beeline. He's going straight through Samaria, the territory that everybody avoids. He's going to go through. I, I think, one, to show that he's not, um, he's not rejecting them, but also, I think, because he knows there's going to be this, this meeting taking place. All right, so, um, so anyway, uh, so he, he has to go through Samaria. He's going through Samaria. He meets up with the Samaritan woman. He asks her for something to drink. And, and she's all confused by this. Why are you talking to me in the first place? So how, nine, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which I'm a woman of Samaria? The Jews don't have any dealings with the Samaritans. See, he doesn't deal with it. Just like with Nicodemus, he, he doesn't bite on that. He just ignores that and says, 
If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. Living water, wow. So, you go down to verse 14, well, 13. Yeshua answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him. That's so important. That water I give shall be in him. There's this residual effect of, of drinking of Yeshua himself. That there's now where there was nothing but death on the inside, there's now life. And it's this living this life, this artesian well, I don't know what you want to call it, that just keeps bubbling up. You were in the land of darkness. He was. She's in the land of drought, spiritually speaking, empty and dry on the inside. And he says, what you need is not that physical. You need, like Nicodemus, that spiritual. You need me and you to give you that life. And you'll never thirst again. The life you're living is empty. The life you're living is hollow. The, the life you're living is sinful. I, I know because I created you and you're empty inside. And I'm here to tell you what you need is not the, what the world can offer and how the world sustains you need me in you. <laughs> she gets it, though. So uh, the woman says unto him, so she tries to deflect it here. Sir, uh, give me this water that I thirst not and don't have to come. Go. So this is cool. So this is so cool. So verse 16. Go. Call thy husband and come here. Wow. Now, that woman at that moment is, she has to make a decision. She could say, because she's not really sure who she's talking with, what are you talking about? I, I, what, no, she, she could have brushed it away. Go, call her husband and come hither. She could have said all kinds of things. She could have tried to lie. She could have made up a story. But she doesn't. She has that moment of clarity. Something happens, and she decides to tell the truth. I have no husband, 17. That's all Yeshua needed to hear, her speaking the truth. He knows he has something now he can deal with, humanly speaking. I mean, he knows he knows. Okay, good. Now we can proceed. Yeah, verse 18, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband in that sets thou truly. Now I'm at home with a woman like that. I've known women like that, not physically and intimately, but personally as friends, especially in my teenage years. You know, I, I, this could be any number of girls that I knew in high school and afterwards that I was friends with. Um, that was their life. Man after man, several men, Several men, not, not prostitutes, not whores in the real sense, just women, girls that just slept around. 
I mean, she's a woman of the streets. And so Yeshua now makes it very clear. She says, wow, I perceive 19, you're a prophet. Maybe she tries to change it again. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye, ye, plural Jews, say that. In Jerusalem, it's a place where you ought to worship. So he says, woman, listen, I'm going to tell you. Now, it, this is a, up for debate again, but I think this is what he's in essence saying in the next verse. Listen, don't worry about it. <laughs> Everything's going to be crumbling in a few short years. Don't worry about Mount Gerizim. Don't worry about Jerusalem. Pretty soon, there's got neither of those. There's something coming. Destruction is coming. There's going to be the dispersion. What I'm trying to get you to see is there, there's, you're going to be gone from all of this. That's not what you need to focus on. You need to focus on me. You want to survive what's coming, you need me. Not Mount Gerizim, not Jerusalem, not the temple, not religion, not any of this stuff. It's a personal relationship with me. Because the temple's coming down, the uh, Roman army's coming in, there's going to be mass dispersion, you guys are going to be running for your life. You'll have no Mount Gerizim, no Jerusalem, no temple. What you will have to survive, and that's where we are, in the diaspora, in him. That water in us, him in us. So, she's taken back by all this. So he says, hour comes in, you know, 23 and 24. So then the woman makes an interesting statement. The woman says, I know that Messiah cometh, parenthesis, which, for the readers, which is, uh, call Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. Yeshua says, listen, I'm the guy. I, this is me. I'm talking to you right now. In essence, he's saying, I am. I that speak with thee, I am. This is the I am of going back to Exodus. Say that I am that I am. He's saying, I am God. I am the Messiah. I am here right in front of you. Now, I was just, not too long ago, standing in front of Nicodemus. Didn't see it. Now I'm standing in front of you. Can you see it? God, can, this is so cool. So, um, so then, uh, upon this, the disciples come. Just, just what I found interesting, I just happened to make a quick note. And, and 27, and upon this came his disciples and marveled and that he talked with a woman. Yet no man said, why are you seeking uh, what seeketh sir? Peter, this is like one of the first times, if not the only time, Peter never says anything. That's uh, just jumped out at me. Normally, this is a platform to Peter to say something. He says nothing. Nobody says anything. They're so befuddled by what presents them when they come back. A Jew talking to Samaritan, a, a, a man talking to a woman. This is all rather inappropriate. She comes perhaps at noontime, doesn't want to come at the busier time at the end of the day because of her background and, and, and everything else with that. So now she, she comes because of her background as this wonderful time of meeting one-on-one -on -one with the I am, and she gets saved. You know, oh, this is so good. You know, why does he spend all this time to find this one worthless woman because that's just how he does his ministry because they're not worthless he came to die for her and he's going to do whatever is necessary to come in contact with those that are thirsting for truth so 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 39 and many of the samaritans to say believed on him uh, for, for the saying of the woman which said, 
as a guy, you have to put yourself here in the town. Hey, guys! Um, uh, on him for the same... Let's see. Um, and uh, Hold on. And many other Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all things ever I did. You know, there were probably some nervous men right now. You know, there's probably some nervous men right around there. And so they, they go out, and so the Samaritans, surprisingly, you expect them to go out and, and say, verse 40, get out of here, get away! You know, like with the pig incident. You know, all the pigs get drowned and everybody comes and says, well, get out of here. You know, you're expecting that from these guys. Well, wait a minute. What? Does he, does he know I slept with her? You know, I'm sure she's had more than just these five guys. And some guys are scrambling a little bit, like skeletons perhaps out of the closet. But there's a supernatural work going on because when a person is truly being worked upon by God, their sins don't stand in the way. I had, and I truly believe part of the reason why my mom and dad never came to salvation is because they had skeletons in their closet that they were afraid would be exposed. This woman's not worried about that because Yeshua told them. These other guys, perhaps, the people that come from the town, they're not, because God is doing a work. And, and, and salvation, what hinders a person for salvation is you have to acknowledge, see, and confess your sins. You cannot come to Jesus without admitting and acknowledging sin. He came to seek and to save that which was lost, to deliver from sin. If a person will not see and acknowledge their sinful condition before a holy God, there's not going to be any salvation. So this woman acknowledges that these guys from town come. And so, verse 41, and many more believe because of his own word and said to the woman, listen, now we believe not because of thy saying, for we've heard him ourselves. And this is huge. We know that this is indeed the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And that's it. That's, that's all I want to say. <laughs> I love these two stories. Do you see yourself anywhere in the stories? You hear others that may or may not listen, that may listen. We're in here somewhere. You're either the Nicodemus crowd or you're the woman at the well crowd. You know, you're either those in Jerusalem or you're those in Samaria. One way or the other. An interesting thing is Yeshua came for everybody. And there's no shame in being a woman at the well. You just need to acknowledge that shame and confess that it's sin. And the truth of the matter is Nicodemus was in as much sin, if not in more hot water because of his religious sin that is more damning than a woman that is just in sin. I, I think that's, you know, Yeshua says to Pharisees, you, you, you go all over everywhere to proselyte, and when you bring these people into your fold, you make them twofold a child of hell. I mean, that's pretty damning stuff. I'd much rather work with, with somebody like myself from the other side of the tracks not really have much to work with other than a supernatural working by God. I mean, I'm the woman in chapter 4. 
She's who I would hang out. As a Messianic, where I started going with my story, Messianics are so agog, gaga over, you know, these, these Jewish people and reading after, you know, unsaved Jewish people. And, and I do myself, don't get me wrong on that. But the Messianic movement took such a shift that anything and everything from a Jewish person we were grabbing hold on to. And it just baffled my mind. And, and I said in our conversation, given a chance of, of the, these that are coming to the Messianic movement, who would they hang out with? If you had actually Nicodemus here, we'd be flocking to sit at the feet of Nicodemus as new Messianists coming to the Hebrew Roots movement to learn all this stuff. And I told Luke, I don't know if you remember, I said, not me, I'm hanging out with the woman from the well. That's my crowd. That's my crowd. That's my crowd. So anyway, that's the contrast. The kid that grew up in Sunday school class became an altar boy, and the kid that didn't. <laughs> and Yeshua came from them both. And I say to you, except you've been born again, you're not going to enter the kingdom of God. It's not going to happen. If you don't know that the living water is in you. See, you can ask me, is the living water in you? Yes. How do you know? Because I know that time in 73 when I was dry, nothing, dead, nothing. I met Yeshua. Life, no longer dead in trespasses and sin. No longer the darkness. Darkness has been dispelled and light has come. If you've not been born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. You have to be born again, born from above, born of the Spirit, a spiritual rebirth. And you're not going to see any of this. Because like I said, chapter 3, verse 36, he that believes on the Son hath everlasting light, life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life will not see life. And that was the problem back in verse 3. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Except a person is saved, he's, he's not going to be able to see life. And that's the difference. So that's the story of Nicodemus in 4 and a woman in a, uh, 3 and, and a woman at the well in 4. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for your word. I think this lives for me so much because I'm, I was that woman at the well, but I had a good friend who was a very religious one. Two different worlds. And I, as far as I know, I'm the one that got saved. I, I have no assurance that my friend did. And I don't understand all that. One very religious in a very religious system, Catholicism. And then this other kid, basically knowing nothing, this woman at the well, she had some basic general knowledge, but knew nothing like Nicodemus did. And uh, somehow salvation, at least at that moment in time, is experienced. And because of her testimony, her willingness to acknowledge her sin, admit her sin, confess her sin, and accept Yeshua, because of her willingness to share that testimony, all these other people come to sell, come to Yeshua and they see him and hear him and are saved. New life. Father, finish this. Do what I can't do. Drive this home. 
make it a blessing or make it a weight to bring people to you. In Yeshua's name, amen. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Oh, oh, oh.